0: Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss Monty's 3 in the Foley Tale, a series of highly targeted attacks by an APT, next up, more reasons for healthy fishing paranoia, and finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 63, recorded on October 12th, 2020. I'm your co-host Kelsey, time for a game of pun on pun, LaBelle. With me co-host Tark. ain't no malware high enough, Sala. And last but not least, Tim is at the helming. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Hello, hello. So good to be here.
0: Just as sometimes Chad likes to um, put his name as dad on the app we're using to record, Tim is using a fun name. Tim, would you like to to share that?
1: Oh, sure. Yes, I am. Today known uh, within the confines of those of us making the podcast as Tin Helmet.
0: (laughs) Now, I have to ask, like, when did inspiration strike for that name?
1: Oh, my gosh. Probably in middle school or something.
2: I think that if you ever become a malicious threat actor, Tim, uh, Tin Helmet would be a phenomenal uh, name for your uh, threat actor group.
1: That would be a pretty good one. I, you know, unfortunately, it's probably sort of out there, tied to me, so the attribution would be really darn easy.
0: That would be some serious <laughs> slopsec.
1: Yes, it would.
0: Advanced persistent Tin Helmet, reporting for duty. <laughs> Well, enough of that. Speaking of APTs, so our first article of the day is Monty's Three in the Foley Tale. So, a series of highly targeted attacks by an APT called Monty's Three against industrial targets has been uncovered with evidence that the campaign dates all the way back actually to 2018. So, Tim, I think what's at the tip of our audience's brains, tongues, I don't know, is. What they're
1: holding their breath. To find out is... Bated
0: breath. (gasps) They want to know, and they're demanding a history lesson of Monty's Three. What can you tell us? What do we know about these folks?
1: Boy, I wish we knew more. There's actually not a ton of history that we do know um, about this actor group. They are... Relatively recently discovered, you know, the campaign seems to date back, as you said, a couple of years, but uh, they're so they're not necessarily a new group. They may have been hiding and operating for at least that long back to 2018, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But there's not a ton of info out there about them.
0: Hmm. The mystery thickens and deepens. So. What we do know, or what we can sort of home in on, is their most recent campaign. And Kaspersky did an excellent write up this last week. So, what can you tell us about what was uncovered?
1: Yeah, so first off, um this campaign seems to be targeting uh industrial that, that seems to be who they're going after. Um but it's important to note there's no evidence that they've compromised any industrial processes. Uh certainly that's not anything that Kaspersky is talking about. I don't think I, I don't think that's the case. I think we would have heard uh about it for sure if that was true. So what I've seen published about this campaign thus far um, uh, though there's not a whole lot, is that it's uh, the goal is espionage. At least that seems to be the current objective of these actors. Uh, now, if they're successful uh, against some of their targets with that espionage, then you know we may find out more later on down the road about what their longer-term objectives are.
0: I know that this isn't the correct use of the word compromise, but I, I just want one time for a security person to be like, we don't know if they've been negotiated. <laughs> I just I just await that day also with bated breath we'll be um, listening for it <laughs> so also in this write-up Kaspersky talks quite a bit about the tool set um, used here and the various modules of the malware so can you walk us through the loader it seems like a natural place to start
1: yeah sure you know the loader is a part of that tool set that you're referencing which is called mt3 and uh, it does have a few separate modules. Um, so, yep, it starts with the loader. So I'll I'll say to either of you guys, either of you care to take a wild guess as to uh, what vector they use to first get that loader into the victim network? Could it
0: be email?
1: Ding, ding, ding. A prize for Kelsey Label. Ah, That's right. It, how uh, did I
0: ever guess that? I know. This <laughs> never
1: happens, right? Uh, they're starting with phishing. What? how can you be an APT group and use something as boring as phishing? Well, guess what? That's exactly what APT groups do. Um, so uh, the victim is sent an email. Uh, the email contains a little piece of steganography. Um, the loader is disguised as a bitmap file, um, but uh, and probably most of our audience is familiar with steganography, but um, in case you're not, it's kind of a method of hiding in plain sight and images are used very often for that. Like a metaphor that's used for it um, just to help people kind of grok it right away is if you had a document where there was some secret text that was in a white font uh, on the white screen, it's right there, but you won't see it unless you take some steps like highlighting or something like that to make it pop out. Well, there are more complicated, obviously, versions of steganography. And in this case, this loader is hidden in part of a bitmap uh, file. So the image of this bitmap looks like whatever it's depicting, but it also has embedded code, um, which is a self-extracting RAR file. And once that executes, okay, now the malware is on the target machine and ready to operate.
0: Tim, I demand that you start a blog series called The Grok Pot, um, instead <laughs> of cooking up you know, food, it's good ideas.
1: That's and pretty good, knowledge. I like that. I like that.
0: Just that word is not used enough, in my humble opinion. Um, (laughs) To grok. Um, Well, fantastic. So, of course, something happens, I'm assuming, after this malware is installed. What did that look like? Yeah,
1: it does. You know, if if nothing happened after that, it would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? yeah, so the the it goes shopping around for different kinds of files. And this actor group seems to be particularly targeting Microsoft and Adobe documents. Not surprising, probably .doc, .powerpoint, .pdf uh, and whatnot. And then there are some uh, specific directories that it goes looking for as well. And it does some fingerprinting and screenshots and stuff on the machines that it's compromised to help the actors figure out if these are Machines that they do want to pay attention to, you know, are these high value targets that they've found their way onto, And we can assume that the, the aim here is the usual kind of kill chain stuff. They want to establish persistence in the, uh, you know, in the target network. They're probably going to move around laterally to find um, the good, juicy stuff that they want to end up ultimately uh, exfiltrating.
0: So then after they've essentially installed this malware, what do the C2 communications look like that are included in the threat?
1: Yeah, so actually kind of like the steganography we were talking about, the uh, command and control for this um, this malware is another example of hiding in plain sight in the sense that they've hosted their C2 infrastructure on completely legit services, Google, Dropbox, um, uh, Microsoft services that uh, most organizations are not realistically going to be able to block, right? And also, you're going to have a ton of traffic going to those uh, those sites, so it's a needle in a haystack kind of problem. Plus, um, trying to inspect that traffic is not trivial because it's all going to be going uh, as HTTPS, uh, most likely in most cases. So in order to inspect that if you were trying to set up some kind of you know alarms or something for this command and control you'd have to have https inspection uh you know a man a man in the middle where it's a benevolent man in the middle um there are products that do this that sit at the network edge and do that but they're they're tricky to set up they have some cost in terms of network latency and stuff so some organizations have that technology some don't um but they that makes it. A bit challenging and there probably are not any really obvious uh, sorts of behavioral signatures or whatnot to to look for now um, having said that there certainly is this whole category of security products called data loss prevention or data leakage prevention DLP um, which are purpose built to detect the exfiltration of um, key, kinds of documents or looking for keywords or whatnot. And and those technologies are designed to detect, um, accidental transmissions of stuff as well as malicious. So, you know, if you've got a DLP, uh, deployed in your environment, then there is a chance that that would detect, uh, this kind of exfiltration, but it's hard to say for sure. If we don't, you know, see specifically, um, how to characterize the, uh, the C2 and the exfiltration type of traffic.
0: Wow, Tim, well said. And I think one of the last questions I have for you is, do we have any ideas as to who's behind this malware?
1: Well, you know, it's the typical story in that uh, I'll say, you know, Kelsey, I don't know if it's ever been brought up actually on this podcast before, but it turns out that attribution of cyber attacks is hard. (laughs) Uh, That's not a typical
0: conversation point, I'd say, in InfoSec. Everyone's on the same page, like nobody disagrees.
1: Yeah. So so Kaspersky isn't saying anything uh, about who might be behind this activity. And eventually, you know, with a lot of these groups, um, ultimately there is usually some kind of attribution to a nation state or something, but not all the time. Um, so we'll have to watch the news and see uh, see what's learned about this adversary, uh, whether that's by researchers just doing more with what they know so far, or there could be victimology that comes out if there are victims that are identified by something that clearly turns out to be this. So we'll see down the road. But um, right now, we don't really know who it is.
0: Hmm, Interesting. And it seems like there was a lot going on, even though this is fairly new information. There was a lot of interesting and fascinating pieces of this APT. So what what hooked you, Tim?
1: Yeah, so I think, uh, first of all, anything that is um, targeting industrial is, uh, is interesting to me. Clearly, none of us wants to see any success in attacks against industrial. Um, but, you know, that's automatically just kind of interesting from a category point of view. And then the researchers who wrote this up um, found it kind of interesting that this MT3 toolset has some parts of it that seem to be fairly sophisticated and some parts of it that look really amateurish. Um, and that makes it a bit less clear about whether we're looking at uh, something like a state-sponsored level of group or not. Although I could imagine that if you were a state-sponsored group, maybe putting a bunch of crapware into what you're deploying out there might be intended to try to throw defenders and researchers and stuff off your trail. Um, by making it deliberately making it look less sophisticated than it really might actually be, who knows?
0: Every time somebody says nation state sponsored, all I can think is rather than like the NASCAR zip down or zip up, it's um, hoodies and they have the logos of the or the flags of the nation that is sponsoring said attack. It's a
1: I a promise fun to image. always imagine that now from from this <laughs> point forward when I'm picturing <laughs> those attackers crafting their wares. <laughs>
0: Excellent, and I think my final question leading into the hoodies here is with everything we do and frankly don't know about this Apt how how concerned are
1: you? Yeah, it's hard to know how concerned to be about this one at this stage with the fairly low uh, amount of data that we have we know they've got some tools that uh, could certainly prove to be effective you know in 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 concept, the tools that they've deployed work um, it's uh, they they may be, fairly good at creating good fishing lures but um but we really don't know enough about the reach of this thing to make too much of a guess about the risk level and i guess for me right now that causes me to think of this as relatively low risk um but you know that could change down the road
0: excellent thank you tim and now that you've heard everything that uh, tim just went through tar what would you rate this at for that zero to ten hoodie rating
2: Yeah, you know, um, I think I'm going to put this one in a solid 7 out of 10. Um, This would be a lot higher um, if we saw um, more wide scale, um, you know, weaponization and attacks going on. Um, But, you know, it's a high it's 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 higher on the, you know, hoodie rating because, you know, they are using sophisticated techniques of like stenography, for example, and um, you doing domain fronting and um, whatnot on legitimate services like Dropbox and Google. Um, So they're using very, this ABT threat group's using really sophisticated techniques. Um, So I want to give it a little bit of a higher rating there of a seven.
0: God forbid Kellogg's is ever breached. But if they are, I hope the threat actors say Lego Mastego if they use steganography in their attack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How about that?
0: All right, Tim. What would you think then? What what is your hoodie rating?
1: You know, Tarek makes a good case for making this rating a little bit higher than I was inclined to uh, make it. I I don't know. Just to be the contrarian, I guess I'll I'll still keep it a little bit lower. So uh, I'll go five. But um, you know, and I also I hope that we don't see other actors getting better at some of the things that he just mentioned because. It seems to me from my vantage point that um, cleaning up some of your OPSEC as an actor by um, doing, so, you know, putting putting your the domain fronting and, and other ways of hiding in plain sight, so to speak, may not be the most challenging things to do. So uh, just if you're a threat actor listening to this podcast, don't do that stuff.
0: <laughs> I think you swayed him.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that did it.
0: So Tarek, I think we should probably move into your article here, which is more reasons for healthy phishing paranoia. A phishing campaign pushing a network compromising backdoor pretends to have the inside scoop on President Trump's health after being infected with COVID-19. So this is um, not very different in a way from what we talked about last week, I think even. So uh, And of course, it's probably tied to some small event coming here and. In- you know, a month or so. Oh, the U.S. national elections—that thing. So, um, I, I was wondering, you know, how could this possibly be making its way into our podcast two weeks in a row? Tarek, any thoughts on this?
2: Well, I mean, this one's really—I um, think it's just speaking to the obvious trends that we have going on right now. You know, um, the, the for the past couple of months, we've had a lot of. Um, as everyone knows, ransomware, malware uh, and phishing really involving uh, COVID, um, you know, but for the past month or so, things have kind of simmered down a little bit on that front. Just a just a tad bit um, with the growing trend of obviously the U.S. national elections yeah, taking more of a precedent and more of a, if we're looking at a pie chart, tra- a pie chart, if you will, more of a big slice of the pie when it comes to phishing lures. Um, so now we have a really interesting um uh phishing campaign that was discovered by Proofpoint that involves um the president's uh recent uh covid positive covid diagnosis um as well as you know obviously uh the overall like covid theme so this one's a little bit interesting
0: ooh wow, classic opportunistic threat actor there for sure. And as you mentioned, um, the folks at Proofpoint put together this particular blog and research. And so, what what can you tell us based off that that research about the content of this email itself?
2: Yeah, and this one is really interesting, where um, the the actual phishing lure itself um, is specifically highlighting the president's positive test for COVID nineteen, um, and then kind of segueing into. Um, getting the victim to download a specific COVID themed um, document that can kind of set them up for um, getting a financial uh, check back for it. So kind of interesting.
0: Huh. Just going for a twofer there. Like, Ooh, interesting information. And also you will benefit from it.
2: (laughs) Gotta love it. Right. I mean, you've got like the, you've got the paranoia inducing COVID uh, relatedness involved. And then you have the financial lore of, a way to actually profit off of this on some level, right? Just click on the URL.
0: And what does happen when folks do click on that URL?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So um, once the victim attempts to download the actual uh, document, which is um, a fake Google doc message, um, and it, it's actually kind of creative too, the way that the, uh, the threat actor here, in this case, um, the threat group being the trick bot gang, um, they go ahead and they display and kind of masquerade the document. Um, and they have, uh, like an icon and verbiage up there that says that, the, that Google's already scanned the document and that it's not malicious. Um, you know, so that's a really, uh, that's a really interesting tactic that we've seen before. Um, and so when a victim clicks the link, um, they actually, uh, download, uh, a bizarre loader executable, um, which is downloaded instead of an actual word document. Um, and then, so once uh, Bazaar Loader is installed, that allows the threat actors to actually have remote access to the computer of the victim and use it to compromise the rest of the network. Um, we've seen Bazaar Loader um, be used as part of multi-stage malware operations by uh, TrickBot for a while now. Um, and in this specific um, phishing lore, the final payload uh, that's actually dropped and grabbed by Bazaar Loader is the Ryuk ransomware. So we ended up seeing that get uh, dropped on the victim's machines.
0: Ooh, yeah, and can you tell us a little bit more about this Bizarre Loader and its relation there to TrickBot?
2: Yeah, so uh, Bizarre Loader is a really piece of minimalistic and simple and covert piece of malware. It was really minimally designed, uh, doesn't have a lot of dependencies. And uh, the way that that the Bizarre Loader malware kind of operates it blends in really well into the operating system. So uh, being able to detect its behavior, um, looking at traditional means is gonna be a lot more difficult. Um, it's not a rootkit, um, but it has uh, really uh, really interesting tactics of blending into normal processes and things like that. Um, and you know, we've seen in the wild Bazaar loader almost exclusively originate with targeted phishing attacks um, used um, by the trick gang almost exclusively.
0: So, Tark, I'm curious then what the end result is when these attacks are successful.
2: Yeah, and you know the final the final motivation here for the trick bot gaining is purely uh, financially motivated. So, dropping the Ryuk ransomware um, is a and uh, which is also you know a form of a double extortion piece of malware or a piece of ransomware. Um, this is really just speaking to their operations, and in this case, uh, they're trying to acquire uh, money from this. Um, so the end result is, um, you know, financial loss for the victims and financial gain for the trickbot gang.
0: Oh, all in it for the monies. <laughs> and as we touched on, this is something that's happening a lot. It's definitely going to speed up and become even more dense, it seems, between now and election day itself. So what are some recommendations you have for organizations and consumers alike to survive this opportunistic spree, if you will?
2: Yeah, you know, there's uh, if there's two main points I'd like to get or three main points I'd like to recommend to uh, blue teams that are, um, you know, responsible for detecting and responding to ransomware uh, attacks. You know, number one, there's the obvious don't pay the ransom. Um, I think that's um, that's kind of an obvious. I think if we collectively stop paying the ransom, um, these kind of attacks are likely to reduce. Um, I know that's kind of a dreamlike situation. I don't think it's gonna actually manifest or happen anytime soon, but um, it's one of those recommendations I personally have. Another is, you know, I think it's important to, number one, um, have a really good EDR system in place on all of your endpoints. Um, something that's really capable of taking a look at finding malicious code on a behavior level. Um, you know, when you have a strong EDR solution in place, so uh, Bazaar Loader may run, uh, but I guarantee that Ryuk um, has a very low likelihood of being able to, uh, you know, actually execute successfully on the endpoint. Um, so um, those are the two main strategies. I think another really important one, too, um, that a lot of blue teams don't traditionally do, but I definitely recommend, is uh, testing your controls, seeing if you could bypass EDR. Um, and that would mean, you know, installing it in a sandbox and grabbing samples from your favorite uh, types of ransomware or your favorite loaders and executing them to see if your EDR will actually pick them up and flag it. That gives you a good uh, understanding and a good litmus test of, you know, where you stand for certain types of attacks. Um, You know, if you, if you're able to do those things, I think you have a a pretty good, um, pretty good security posture.
0: Very nice. Thanks for those recommendations, Tariq. And um, not to completely pivot here, but, I know we're talking a little bit about TrickBot here at the beginning of the article, and it sounds like there's been some um, late-breaking news in these past few days. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Microsoft's uh, Response Center and Threat Intelligence teams are um, actively working on dismantling uh, TrickBot operations and working on taking that group down. Um, The details of how and when are... Not really, um, for obvious reasons, explicitly clear, but that was recently out of the news that that's, I guess, part of their mission that uh, they're actively working on. So fingers crossed.
0: Excellent. Yeah, thank you, Tarek. And I th- I think I'd love to actually start with you for the hoodie ratings and get a sense if you feel your rating has changed ac- actually um, relative to last week or if it's about the same level of concern.
2: You know, it's still going to be the same level of concern. I mean, the trick gang, you know, this, this cyber criminal organization is really, really good at at what they do. Um, so, uh, you know, when it comes to affecting large enterprise companies, there's not too much tremendous success there, but, you know, small, medium businesses and home users are still uh, definitely in the crosshairs of TrickBot And, uh, You know, and they're definitely affected by Ryuk and other strains of ransomware. So uh, this is still a massive problem uh, in the cybersecurity space, not just on the enterprise side. Uh, So, you know, for this one, I'm still going to give it like a solid 8 out of 10.
0: Oh, boy. What do you think about that, Tim?
1: Yeah, I tend to agree um, because, you know, look, the evidence is all around us. Ransomware is continuing to succeed. Um, We see stories about it every day. Uh, and this is a, as Tarek points out, a sophisticated group um, doing this activity here. So yeah, uh, put me in for eight hoodies as well on this one.
0: <laughs> eight hoodies it is. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you both for your great work per usual. And I think it's now time for Two Truths and a Lie, which is as it As it sounds, we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie, but rather than talk about ourselves, um, which is not nearly as exciting as making things up in terms of article titles in the InfoSec space. So Tim is going to present us with three article titles, two of which are true, one of which is a lie. Um, And Tarek and I are going to try our best to suss out what the lie is. But it's kind of interesting this week because Tim and Tarek actually share a point system. So it's kind of... uh, Uh, David and Goliath situation here, so hopefully I can hold my weight. So, Tim, what are your articles?
1: Okay, my articles are these. I'm going to just tell you they're all true. These are all true. (laughs) Okay, here we (laughs) go. Wait a minute. That's not how the game works. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, the internet safety charity Cyber Safe Ireland is urging families all together to take a 24 hour cyber break this week or here's another story that was in the news um it had to do with the number of corporate uh, credentials that have been exposed on the dark web and there's been a frightening increase so the uh it was reported the number of corporate credentials exposed on the dark web dark web increased by 249 percent or Is today's, uh, is this story really that I'm talking about that Microsoft is warning of some Android ransomware that activates when you press the home button? Ah, that's scary. Halloween is coming soon. (laughs) Oh oh boy. Okay. So
2: So we have Ireland's uh, security team in Ireland or security organization in Ireland says take a break. We've got Microsoft says Android brand somewhere kicks in when you hit the home button. And the second one was uh, credential leak spike in dark web, correct?
1: Yeah, and that, that uh, it's spiked by 249%.
2: That's a lot of percent. It is. Oh, man. Well, Kelsey, would you like to go first? I've got my guess.
0: I will dive in. And I will say the second article is a lie.
2: I'm gonna go see. I, I'm I, I'm gonna also go with the dark web ransomware spike. I bet it's it's definitely gone up. But I think 240 percent. I don't know. That seems a, that seems pretty shocking. Um, yeah, I'm also going to be a
1: copycat. Well, listen Final to answer, you guys.
0: All right. <laughs> Tim, the, can you do a physical drum roll?
1: Is yeah, it possible? Well, well, I can actually. Let's, uh, except I can do it, but it seems like you can never hear it because I think it always clips out.
0: Tim is surrounded by drums. He is Tim He is
1: surrounded by drums. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. And the winner is both of you. You are, yes. but not for the reason that yes. you think. Really? Well, because as uh, shocking as a two hundred forty nine percent increase in the amount of those corporate credentials exposed on the dark web, the actual number was four hundred and twenty nine percent.
2: Holy crap! Right? Wow.
1: Jeez, Louise, that's insane. That's right. That so is well done. Unfortunate. Both yeah, it is unfortunate.
0: I don't like to be right for that reason. It doesn't feel as good. It feels like a dirty point. I want it.
1: <laughs> well, Kelsey, we all know that it's, it's all about playing dirty in 2020. Clearly, oh that's been demonstrated beyond any doubt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, Tim, thank you for using your timpanis in such an important moment. It really built the tension, I'd say. It's the focal point of the episode.
1: We'll do a snare drum roll next time. Just kind of <laughs> I want work new- our way through the uh, zoo here.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I want to hear from every one of your instruments and see how many weeks we can go That's of a, a unique lot of podcasts. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, Tin Helmet, Tarek, thank you both again for all of your insights this week. Of course, we'll be back next week for another episode of Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at domaintools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com/resources/podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember: don't drink and click.